0: It was great. The 830s crowd was bigger than it's been in months, so it was exciting. (laughs) It was great to see you guys. Thanks for being here. We're going to continue a series we started last week entitled The Blessing. But let me just say this. We are big believers around here at Brazos Fellowship in the next generation. It's why we just made the huge investment to build all these beautiful new kids' spaces for your kids, for the kids that are not even here yet. That's part of why last week that introduced this new idea to some of you, the blessing, where I talked about that this blessing idea is the, the idea of receiving something that changes everything, that this for some of you is going to be an absolute game changer for your family. It's, this is something that maybe has never really been a part of as far as you're concerned in your family's story, and this is something that could radically change the story of your family for the better. And it's something that we see. It's a, it's a spiritual uh, principle that's taught throughout the Bible, and we're going to be looking at it today, and its relevance for us today. And here's how we defined it last weekend, the blessing. It is a gift of unconditional love, acceptance, and approval. Love, acceptance, and approval. Wherever in life you feel these three things that are flowing towards you, you are just naturally, sociologically, this is the way God has wired you as a human being. You're drawn to that. We we are repelled by the opposite. When you feel the opposite of love, you feel hate, you feel condemnation and judgmentalness. You, You tend to, you move away from that. And and what all of us crave deep down in our heart is that we could get these things, these words, these actions spoken over us, expressed towards us by our parents, love, acceptance and approval by our parents or whoever the significant person of your life story that raised you, somebody who made a big investment in your life, you wanted, you still want these things from that person, even if you're an adult today. It doesn't go away. We always want this. But the fact is that many of us didn't get it. And we went looking for it, often in places that are no good for us. That we find what I call counterfeit blessings. And I call them counterfeit because they don't last. They're things that are superficial. They don't last. So they wind, us, wind up making us feel empty inside instead of fulfilled, the, the, the real desire that we have But the fact is that these things, this blessing has a massive impact on the way we relate to others as an adult, our relationships, our marriages, even it shapes the way we look at God himself, whether or not... This blessing was present. It even dictates whether or not you got the blessing growing up, whether or not this cycle is going to, going to continue into the next generation, whether or not you pass the blessing on to your kids, your grandkids. It really, uh, to a large degree, depends on whether you received it or not. As a matter of fact, Dr. John Trent, who wrote a book, did extensive research, and I highly recommend the book, called The Blessing, talking about this topic, He had this to say based on all of his research about this topic. He says, no matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval on to your children, spouse, and friends. It is so powerful how it impacts our life. And that people never stop craving this, desiring it. And we talked about last week that if you didn't get this growing up, the beautiful thing is that God, your heavenly Father, offers this to all people who are open to it and are willing to receive it. Even if you grew up and you say, well, I did not get that in my home, or the meager attempts that my parents had, they just didn't have the tools, I almost don't even blame them because they didn't get it either. They didn't even know what they were doing half the time, and I didn't get it from them. But if you did it, it's okay because God says, I make it available to all people through my son, Jesus Christ. And what was beautiful, and if you have never done that before and you missed last week, I encourage you to go to BrazosFellowship.com, check out that message from last week where we talk about this beautiful blessing that God gives his son and he makes available to every one of us who are his children. When we place faith, we accept and we believe in Jesus Christ, his forgiveness of sin and make him the Lord of our life, the Savior of our life that we get that same blessing that, that God spoke to his son when he was baptized. He says, this is my son whom I love. This is my daughter whom I love. In you I am well pleased. In you I am well pleased. God says, yes, the thing you've been looking for, I provide it. And many of you, last weekend, many people received that blessing for the very first time, and it is so wonderful. And I want you to see this is not something that's just for children. This is for adults. I've seen this receiving of the blessing, it can radically change marriages, it could change sibling relationships, where there's been strife and jealousy and competition and tension for years. It helps you to say, I don't need that anymore. I don't have to do that. I don't have to fight with them anymore. I don't need the thing that I thought that I was going to get from them, I can't get it from them anyway. God provided it. And So we looked at that last week. And I hope that if you didn't receive that blessing, that you will soon. And maybe even this weekend, you can pray and ask the Lord to provide that blessing that you never got growing up. Maybe your parents just didn't know, didn't have the tools. But here's the big question that's going to guide the rest of our time together today. How can you ensure that this blessing gets passed on to your kids, even if they're adults? There's still time, right? Even if you go, I don't think I did a really good job of this, it's okay, it's, there's still time. Your grandkids and other people who desperately need it around you in your life today. How can you make sure? Because I can tell you right now, God wants to use you as conduit through which if you've received the blessing that you are helping to pass it on to others, absolutely, it's a part of our job. And the first step that I want to talk to you about that's so important, that in this process of passing on this blessing to the next generation is what we're going to call meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. Now, that may not be what you had expected this week, but I want to tell you right up at the top of this message that this is going to be a two-part message. I encourage you, do not miss next week because we're going to lay the framework with this message that will help you to understand how powerful next week's message is. They work together. But but meaningful touch is so incredibly empower, powerful because when I would say that, I mean even the, the most simple touches. It could be a handshake, a high five, a pat on the back, a hug, and even a kiss, only with a few, okay? I'm not talking about everybody, but even a kiss, as we're gonna see in just a little bit. But meaningful touch is so incredibly powerful. Powerful. Now, depending on the home that you grew up in, meaningful touch may make you feel a little uncomfortable or you may say, well, that's totally normal. What is normal for one is not normal for another. The, the cultural heritage that you inherited through your family will have a lot to do with this. As a matter of fact, I saw a study recently that talked about how different we are uh, globally when it comes to touch. And what they did is they went all over the world and they looked at coffee shops that were in different major cities and looked at how often do people touch each other, just through natural conversation. How many touches happen per hour? In some place like San Juan, Puerto Rico, there were 180 touches per hour in that coffee shop. You go to Paris, France, it's 110 touches per hour. You go to Gainesville, Florida, two touches (laughs) per hour go to London, England, zero touches per hour. You see how, isn't that staggering? Isn't that amazing? So depending on what type of upbringing and where your parents are from, it's going to be radically, like your spouse looks at you sometimes and say, you're crazy, you know, wanting to touch this much. And you say, you're crazy for not wanting it. Like, this is great. We should do it more, right? And so it's funny how just looking at our background, it makes a huge difference. And I realize by bringing up something like meaningful touch in the day that we live in, it makes us all feel a little bit uncomfortable. As my girls would say, it's a little cringy, dad. It's a little cringy. We all get a little cringy because in the media, there have been so many reports, so many stories of people making inappropriate touches towards other people that nobody wants to touch anymore. Everybody wants to stay in a bubble and just don't touch me. I won't touch you. And we as an American culture have become more and more distant and less warm and affectionate towards one another. And this is a travesty. It is hurting us. It's not helping us. It is not the way God intended. It's not the way God designed us. As a matter of fact, as we're going to see scripturally, that there's no way to really pass on the family blessing without meaningful touch, going all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, when we look at this passing on the blessing from Isaac to Jacob, now granted he thought he was blessing Esau, he was old and blind, okay, but he thought he was blessing Esau, but when Jacob came close to him, he blessed him with more than just words, in chapter 27, verse 26, here's what it says, then his father Isaac said to him, and I want us to read these highlighted words together, what did he say? He said, Come near and kiss me, my son. Woo, wow. That's something you don't see very much between sons and dads anymore. But this word picture that we get for the word come near from its Hebrew root means it's a picture of when armies would draw together for battle, close, acting as one unit, all together, tight, shoulder to shoulder, uh, shield to shield, going into battle. It's the same picture that we get, word picture that we get for a crocodile's back, with all of the scales overlapping over the back of a crocodile. In other words, what he's saying to his son is, Come here and give me a big old bear hug. Lift you off the ground, pop your back, you know, that kind of a hug, you know. Like big hug and a big kiss, like his dad, fearless. He didn't care about social taboos, especially of our day. He didn't care about any of that. This is my child I love, I'm crazy about, and I'm going to show him, I'm going to show her this blessing. I'm going to show him unconditional love, acceptance, and approval, and I want him to feel it on their skin. I want him to feel it, I want him to hear it. And what was beautiful is that this stuck with Jacob many, many years later. As some of you know the story, One of his younger sons, Joseph, gets sold into slavery by his brothers because of the favoritism they believed that their dad was showing towards him. He had this beautiful coat of many colors, and they were so jealous. They sold him into slavery. He went down to Egypt, and years and years went by. And later in life, much, much later in life, his father reunites with him. And by this point, he has two sons of his own, Manasseh um, and Ephraim. And he says, Dad, I want you to come and bless my sons. I mean, who wouldn't want that? To have the granddad bless the sons. Would you come and bless my sons? And here's what transpired in Genesis 48. Joseph told him, these are my sons which God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, bring them here closer to me so that I can, let's say it together, so I can bless them. And Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him. And Jacob, what did he do? He kissed and embrace them. He gathered those boys up. He couldn't even hardly see them, but he could feel them. <clears throat> gathering them up, and he hugged them tight, and he kissed them. I love you boys. You have a great heritage. You're a part of a great story that God is doing through this family. They need to hear it from you. They need to feel it on their skin. There's something powerful about this meaningful touch and transferring blessing down to the next generation and to those we love it's so powerful. So, to, I wanna share with you a couple of really powerful and important reasons why meaningful touch needs to be a part of the blessing. Two reasons, really, why meaningful touch needs to be a part of the blessing. The first one is there's, there's, there's this powerful symbolic meaning behind meaningful touch. So, and what I mean by that is that from prophets of the Old Testament to apostles of the New Testament, we see this touch happening. In the Old Testament book of 1 Kings 19, whenever the prophet Elijah was coming up to his protege, Elisha, now these two different men, I used to get them confused a lot, but one was the mentor, Elijah, and the mentee was Elisha, he came up to put his cloak on him as a symbol saying, I'm passing the blessing and the power and the call, the mantle of being a prophet of God before the people of God, Israel, onto you, he puts his arm around him, puts his cloak on him. It was a a powerful symbol. And we come to the New Testament, places like uh, Acts chapter 13, the first time the apostle Paul and Barnabas are going on to a a missionary journey. This is before the apostle Paul is well known as Paul. He's still known as Saul. So if you read it, you go, well, where's Paul? I see Saul. That's the same guy. But it says that Saul and Barnabas We're being called by God, set apart by God to go out and to do these missionary journeys. So the church at Antioch pulls them together, prays for them, and lays their hands on them as a symbolic gesture of saying, we're praying God's blessing on you, his power on you as you go out and fulfill his will for your life. We need to not let this symbol die. And even to, to this day, we see symbolic touch happening between people all the time in our society. When two people are dating, what do they do? They hold hands. And that holding hands is a symbol saying, I'm taken, she's taken, I'm taken, right? That's what it means. When two people are striking a deal, two business people, still to this day, there are some who shake on it. And there are still people, I know this may sound crazy to some of you, but that shaking of hands means something important. It's binding. It means we both agree we're going to fulfill what we just said we would do. There's integrity behind that, that it is our bond. I'm giving you my word. I really mean this. Regardless of contracts, lawyers, doesn't matter. I shook on it, and I mean it. That is a powerful symbol. When two people are getting married, The pastor who's officiating will say, turn and face each other and take each other's hands. Join hands as a symbol of your choice of each other. And you're about to say these vows to each other. You're making the promise to God, but you're saying the vow to each other. And you join hands. There's meaning behind the touch. And even in the... Engagement moment, even in the proposal moment, there is powerful touch. And I'm reminded of this recently when Leslie and I were flying into the Austin airport and we saw something really interesting about to happen. We had come down the escalator, some of you are familiar with that airport. You have to come down the escalator to go down to the baggage area. And we came down the escalator, and here's what we saw. Of course, I had my phone on me, so I had to videotape it. So I'm going to show you. These giant inflatable letters that say, will you marry me? As people were coming down the escalator here. Uh, so there's this anxious young guy waiting with all his friends holding these giant inflatable letters, will you marry me? So Leslie's like, we're not in that big a hurry. Let's wait and see how this thing unfolds. <laughs> this is interesting, all right? So we, we hang out there by the baggage area, and they're standing there for uh, quite a while. I don't know if we're playing out. You know, uh, delayed or whatever. But it's so funny. The ones that knew them, of course. All the rest of us, there was like by this point, there was probably a hundred or a couple hundred people sitting there with their phones out and all getting ready to record it. And that actually knew them. When she finally got to the top of the escalator, it was funny because everybody broke out like, "Yeah, all right." And those of you who know, it is a long escalator ride. So it's like, "Yeah, all right, okay, yeah, whoa, yeah." So it's like awkward, you know, long escalator ride to the bottom. But she finally gets down there, and then he does it right. He gets down on one knee. He grabs her hand, meaningful touch, and he expresses his, I wish I was close enough. I could have gotten all the vowels, but would you like to see the end of the story? This is really beautiful. Here's what happens right here. I'm shooting under the A here. I got really (laughs) obnoxiously close, and he's he is uh, telling her how much he loves her, and he's asking her to marry him. And, of course, she freaks out and says, yes, you're awesome. Anyway, so they come in. I, the cameraman did a horrible job here. Anyway, just about to embrace, and there was a really sweet kiss that followed, um, but we want to keep it really G, so I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, it's really funny because you would expect that. Like, everybody applaud, like, woohoo! I mean, hundreds of people by this point watching this unfold. But it was just natural that there is a meaningful touch. There is a symbolic touch to follow. I mean, it would have been weird if she had been like, oh, yeah, I want to be your wife, but first I got to go to baggage claim. You know, what I mean, you, what, you, that would be weird. Like, uh, you want to hug and kiss the person that you just... Committed the rest of your life to. That just makes sense. It's something in us that all says, Yes, completed the transaction. Yeah, it's awesome. It's powerful. And we need to remember that when it comes to passing the blessing on. So, not only is there a symbolic meaning, but number two, there is these amazing physical benefits. Physical benefits that simply put, both the giver and receiver of the blessing, of meaningful touch, receive an incredible benefit from it. There was a study done at UCLA not long ago that said that for your emotional and physical health, we all need between eight and ten meaningful touches every single day, right? And I see some husbands might be like, oh, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> That's not a meaningful touch, guys, okay? It's, like I said, it's meaningful, it's embracing, it's, it's showing love, uh, there was another study done by a Dr. Dolores Krieger at NYU, and she's actually done multiple studies on the benefit of both the receiver and, re- and the giver of touch. And she says there's unbelievable physiological benefits that come from meaningful touch. Like, this is the way we were wired. It's the way we were made as human beings. And you may be saying, well, how? How does that that benefit? She says, well, inside of every one of you, in your bloodstream, there is this substance called hemoglobin. It, It actually is what gives your red blood cells its pigment. But it also carries oxygen to all the tissues in your body. And in the act, and she says this has been repeatedly proven in study after study after study, when, whenever someone goes to hug or to give meaningful touch to another person, both the giver and the receiver, the hemoglobin levels go up, oxygen levels go up, it energizes the body, it speeds in the regenerative process of the body, if so if you're ill or if you're hurt and you're trying to recover, it actually speeds up the process, it's unbelievable, she goes on to say, would you like to lower your spouse's blood pressure? Do you have a child or grandchild or some child in your life where you would like them to have a higher likelihood that they would avoid an immoral or destructive relationship later in life? Would you like to add up to two years to your own life? She says, then start hugging more. Start having more meaningful touch every single day, regular." often interact with people in this way. It is crazy the number of benefits. Physiologically, it's just the way God made us, the way he put us together. And what's beautiful as we come to the New Testament, Jesus knew all too well of the power of meaningful touch and the blessing that comes from having meaningful touch with other people. He communicated so well this love and acceptance and approval, both to children and to adults. And I want to look at a story with both, an account with both, in the Gospel of, of Mark. Starting with chapter 10, this is a time when the, these parents were wanting to bring their children to Jesus. And, and check out, here's what happened next. This is one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could, let's say it together, so he could touch and bless them. Like, they brought their children expressly to be touched and blessed by Jesus. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He goes on to say, he said to them, let the children come to me and don't stop them, for the kingdom of of God belongs to those who are like these children. Then he took the children in his arms. Imagine this. This is such a beautiful moment. He takes them in his arms. He places his hands on their heads. And he, what did he do? And he blessed them. He blessed them. These little children. He didn't want them to just hear it in their little ears. He wanted them to feel it on their skin. I love you. You're so special. You're awesome. You're amazing. There's not another one like you. You're incredible. And children in Jesus' day were the least powerful in all of society, which meant they were the least important. Most people wouldn't give them the time of day. Very different than our culture today where we invest in, we look at children very differently. Not to them. They saw children as just... You know, these little people to be tolerated, get them out of the way. I don't want to really hear them or see them. Just keep them back out of the way. And that was sort of the job of most mothers was to try to keep them out of the way. But Jesus totally broke the social moray. When he says, now I want these little children to come right to me. And I'm not only going to talk to them, I'm going to touch them. I'm going to make time for them. I'm going to kneel down on their level and I'm going to speak to them. Jesus knew something really powerful about children that we sometimes forget. And that is for kids, they have to touch things for them to become real. They have to touch. You ever notice that kids will stand in line for hours to meet like a Disney character or Santa Claus or just about anybody. these same kids that can't stand still for like five minutes normally, but they got to meet, you know, they, they want to touch because there's something about the touching where it becomes real and they get tingly and they, oh my gosh, it's like real and I want to touch him, you know, and, and it's incredible and Jesus knew this about these kids, and he knew that for them to understand love and acceptance and approval, their little brains maybe couldn't cognitively understand such big concepts, but they could understand it tactically. tactically he, they could understand it physically. If there's a physiological communicating with our arms, with our meaningful touch that, that communicate powerful love to kids, and they need to be able to trust that with the adults around them. And so this was so powerful that Jesus took time to do that. He modeled it for us, really, what he did. And not only did he do it with children, but he also did it with adults. And I want to share with you this one incredible moment where Jesus did it with a man who had been barred from society from ever touching another human being for the rest of his life, ever. And this is what happened in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 40. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. So here's a guy who was ostracized from society, was not allowed to even come around regular people ever like he had to stay within a stone's throw literally if they came too close if lepers came too close to healthier society that they were supposed to pick up rocks and throw them at the lepers to drive them away and scream at them leper get away basically get away and this has been his entire life for sure all of his adult life had always been driven away driven away driven away. And now he comes to Jesus and kneels down right in front of him. He knows he's breaking all the rules. He could be killed for this, imprisoned, any number of things could happen to him. And, and, and you have to understand, part of the reason that they were driven away is they have these open, weepy wounds that are wrapped in disgusting bandages, uh, disgusting just rags, they have no way to clean themselves. They stink. There's no medical attention they can get. There's n- none of that. This is part of why they were driven away. And now he's, standing, he's sitting right in front of Jesus. He's, he's kneeling down in front of him. And Jesus in this moment, this man who'd never been touched, the very first thing he does is he reaches out and touches him. Even before he speaks to him, he touches him. Can't you imagine for just a moment how much that guy longed for someone to be kind to him, to touch him, to communicate love and acceptance and approval? Like that was just a dream that he thought would never, ever, ever, ever happen. And here, he just wished that somebody would do that instead of drive him away with rocks. And here Jesus, in this moment, understands what this guy needs more than even being healed of leprosy. The thing that his soul craves for most is to be loved and accepted and approved and to be touched. And Jesus does what no one else would be willing to do. He touches this guy, and he heals him. And it radically changes his life forever. Jesus shows us that meaningful touch is not something that's optional. It's essential, especially right down to this world that we live in today, to do it in a kind and a healthy way. And you may know people in your life right now that are other people are tempted to keep at arm's length. They're hard people to be around, let's be honest. They're difficult for you to have to handle and deal with. You're tempted to never talk to them, never come near them. Maybe it's something about them personally. Maybe it's about their lifestyle. It just disgusts you. You can't hardly even think about or be around them. It just goes all over you. Now I want to challenge you this week to follow Jesus' lead and to be willing to reach out and show love to a person, love and acceptance and approval to a person like that. It is a game changer. They may just be the same place this leper was, craving, wishing somebody would stop throwing rocks for just a minute and show them some love, and it would radically change their heart. And what's beautiful about Jesus is that he was able to touch people and communicate love, acceptance, and approval of them as a human being without giving acceptance and approval of their lifestyle or things that they were a part of that were no good, were destructive, and were sinful, and were killing them from the inside out. And he had a way, because he loved them, to speak into those things with grace and truth simultaneously. And this week, I want to challenge you. There may be somebody like this in your life that other people tend to cast stones behind their back talking about them they're mean they're divisive they keep distance and maybe it's time for you to step out of that social circle of what is accepted among your friends and show some love and I know it's going to make you feel uncomfortable it's going to cause you to stretch and to grow spiritually maybe more than you ever had relationally in your life and I want to encourage you to do that this week And it might be that uh, you are the one who feels like this leper. You feel like I have no place with God. If you even knew, Will, my background, how dark and ugly and awful I have been to people, there's no forgiveness for me. There's no healing for me. But I'm telling you, Jesus, again and again, and this is one of those stories where Jesus says nobody is beyond the reach of God's love, the arm of God, his love, acceptance, and approval. Everybody can come. And maybe today you need to pray a prayer to Jesus, something like this. If you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean Jesus? Because he's already said, I am willing. I am willing to be healed. And it's time today that you could go before him and receive that blessing of forgiveness of sin and to become a follower of Jesus Christ from this day forward. And for those of you who are parents, grandparents, or you've got significant others around you that need this blessing, and you have the ability to pass it on, I think we've made it clear here today. To follow the example of Jacob and Isaac and Jesus, there's no other way. If we're going to pass on the blessing, we've got to use meaningful touch as a part of the communication vehicle process. It's got to be a part of it. It's got to be a part of it. Now, next week, we're going to talk about part two to this, where we put this blessing into words and how to powerfully communicate this. Now, I hope you don't miss that next week. We're going to build on what we've talked about this week, but here's our prayer of, of application as we finish up. Simply saying, Jesus, I receive you. I receive your blessing today. And this is simply just saying, I need your forgiveness. I need forgiveness from sin, and I will follow you the rest of my days. It's a commitment of saying, yes, I want your blessing, and I'm willing to place my faith and trust in you. And maybe you're in this place of saying, I commit to pass the blessing on to my family and to others who need it, even those who are difficult to love like me and like you. We've all been difficult to love at times. And there's all of us have had those moments where we've had to come before Jesus like that leper and say, God, I need forgiveness. I'm unclean. I've blown it. I am messed up. And if people knew, nobody would want to be around me. And God is willing to forgive and to give us that blessing. Does it make any sense at all that we would withhold it from others now? It doesn't. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.